We're going under the hood with Dr. Sunshine, where we explore topics that are relevant to STEM professionals with intersecting identities. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back to Under the Hood. In today's episode, we're going to go under the hood and discuss something that is fairly common for STEM academics and probably all academics across all fields and perhaps industry professionals as well, and that is relocation. Given that I just relocated and it's that time of year for new students and returning students to come back to college campuses and new faculty hires are commencing their positions, I felt that this was a fairly timely topic. So first off, I just have to get it off my chest. Moving is stressful. (laughs) Moving is very stressful. And I truly feel that this experience gets more and more complicated the further that I progress in my career. And I am going to boil this down to the fact that more than likely over time, I have acquired more and more things like furniture and keepsakes, and that complicates the move. So speaking of moving, at the beginning of July, I relocated to the San Francisco Bay Area, the beautiful Bay Area with perennial good weather. Um, It's fairly uh, moderate temperatures. Um, It's very comfortable here. And so this was actually my fourth major move for an academic position in five years. And this is not counting the seasonal moves during my undergraduate studies. And it doesn't count the local moves during my graduate studies when I lived in Atlanta. So for my most current move, um, I was responsible for the most stuff that I've ever had to move because for the first time in my life, I was a homeowner. (laughs) So um, home ownership is a privilege that I was lucky enough to be able to experience. And so I hope to discuss home ownership in more detail in another episode. So please stay tuned. So not only was I responsible for more belongings, but My professional responsibilities this time around were more time sensitive and more pressing, which actually compounded the regular stressors of moving. So I'd say that this move pushed me to my limit in terms of holding multiple thoughts in my head at once, whereas most people would probably write everything down that they have to do but I'm actually naturally more of a mental planner and I supplement those mental plans with email documentation and Google calendar notifications and so this helps me to keep organized but I also need to credit 
um, a few people that made this move possible under a very, very short lead time. And those people are my gracious movers um, in Southern California. Um, I'm going to credit the relief of some of the stress to my research team at my previous institution who did a phenomenal job with continuing our research operations while I was transient. And also my lovely uh, realtor team, they took care of most of the groundwork at my home and my lovely neighbors were also there to provide moral support. So in an expected turn of events, I have decided to rent upon arrival in my new town of residence. And I'm also quite grateful for the help of a housing expert who was available to the new faculty hires to help find their ideal place to live. This was incredibly helpful, um, especially when it comes to making a quick and well-informed decision about where to live in a brand new city. And so I'd never visited, so I found this to be a very helpful resource. The next thing I'll do is share a few things that one might consider when making this decision with, with such uh, a quick turnaround. Now, this first point is probably quite obvious and on the nose, and it's most likely the first variable on which people optimize when they prepare to move to a new city. So my personal strategy is to shoot for rent or a mortgage that is around 30% of my gross income or my before tax income and this is usually my maximum so I prefer not to pay more than 30% of my gross income in housing costs so anything less than that I consider icing on the cake and this is this 30% is the recommendation for from most financial planning websites. So just as a rule of thumb for students, um, you could shoot or even achieve a lower percentage than this by having a roommate, especially when you may be working through school or you have uh, financial costs that you're supplementing with loans and so in order to keep those loans a little bit lower it may be helpful to have a roommate so throughout my undergraduate career I had a roommate and in graduate school I decided to work to live alone and so I took on outside work to help support my cost of living during my graduate studies the second point here is very important to me. It comes second to price, and that is the length of my commute. So fortunately for 
a good majority of the STEM professionals, especially people that work in tech at the moment, permanent work from home options have become available due to the last year and a half of um, challenges that we've experienced as a result of the global pandemic. And so um, this may not be a very important point for those STEM professionals, but for people like myself whose work depends on your in-person presence, um, the commute, in my opinion, can make or break the work experience. And so my personal preference is to live about 10 minutes from my job by car which translates into about 20 to 25 minutes of commuting by bicycle if I am in shape. <laughs> and that translates to about uh, an hour uh, of commute by walking. And so this happens to be optimal for me. It is also very helpful to consider your quality of life when you're moving into a new city. So I find it very helpful to use online cost of living calculators to compare the my current cost of living to my future cost of living uh, to determine about how much of my new income in the new city is going to be required for housing to maintain the same quality of life as my previous city. And so this can be done by using a simple proportion. And for some people, quality of life could include what amenities are available in the actual housing unit. And that could include whether or not there is an in-unit laundry or an ice maker or whether or not there's access to an on-site gym or even a concierge. Um, for others, it could mean or quality of life could mean what entertainment and what necessities are within walking distance of my housing unit. And this could be very important for some people. For others, it could be the size of the space that determines the quality and a lot of times the size of your space is proportional to the cost. So in my personal experience, I'm very adaptable to any housing size and really the trick for me has been to keep the volume of my stuff under control such that it really doesn't matter how big or small my place is, my quality of life is not impacted by how much space is available for me to pack all my things into. And last but certainly not least, many STEM professionals must consider their family first and foremost when they are weighing the feasibility of a relocation. I can't personally speak to the experiences of, of people with dependents, 
but my colleagues have expressed concerns about relocating and where to live in terms of the quality of school districts that their children may be zoned for once they arrive. So this is a concern that comes up over and over when I speak to other STEM professionals. And so hopefully in future episodes, we'll have guests on the channel to talk directly to their experiences with relocating uh, their families for uh, a new exciting position. So there's also a challenge of making sure that all of the income earners in the household are able to secure a position in the new city. And this is oftentimes called the two-body problem in the case where two people have to find a job in the new city. And hopefully we can dive more into that topic as well. Now I'd like to move on and talk about something a little different in the latter part of this episode. And in the fashion of under the hood, I want to talk about the precarity of relocation for STEM academics. And that precarity is brought upon us due to the stress of multiple relocations in the early stages of our career, especially in a job market where permanent positions are in short supply. And so I feel very grateful and fortunate to be where I am to end in this job market um, because things can get a little stressful. And so I'm gonna share a few candid online confessions where people are being brutally honest about the realities of early career STEM relocations, or these may not be specific to STEM, but they are definitely specific to the academic career. So here one user is noting, today I applied to my dream academic job. Ah, if I got either, I'd be so happy. If I got the dream job, I'd be so happy if it came with relocation assistance because I'd be moving to a state and half away. So, at many times in the early stage of our career, such as relocating for a postdoc, relocation assistance really isn't available. And so, as reflected in this post, the onus is really on the scholar to pay for their own moving costs. And I'd say that this is a ubiquitous problem in academia, um, which is really a system that heavily depends on postdoctoral support. So perhaps collectively we could do better to support postdocs or early other early career professionals in a time in their career where uh, salaries and the timing of the positions are understandably unstable. In this next post, this user notes, there are so many structural barriers in academia that we really need to address ASAP. One thing that I think funding agencies should really consider 
is offering postdocs relocation funds. So I agree with this take to some extent. Okay, I do think that we should more widely cover relocation costs for postdocs. However, I think that the fringe rate for postdocs is high enough at some institutions that we should be able to cover relocation through this budget line item. And so for my listeners who are unfamiliar with some of these terms, the fringe rate is the percentage in relation to salary that indicates how much an employee's benefits will cost. And so in my experience, uh, this fringe rate for postdocs is one of the highest for all university employees. So I think that this could be a natural source uh, for relocation assistance for our early career scholars. In another post, the user says, relocation and workplace commitments do make it difficult to put down roots outside academia. Why then is it so bizarre that an academic might become a single mother by choice? So this is a tough and this is a really valid take. And some STEM academics and from what I have heard throughout the years is that they have resigned to the fact that the mobility that's required for an academic career is one that is to be expected and you just deal with it accordingly. But for others, myself included, I do feel like I should put my life on hold until I know for certain where I'm going to live and if I'm going to live in that place for longer than five years. However, the, decen the decision to expand one's family as brought up in this post, when you're in academia, it, it, it really depends on many other factors besides where you're going to live. And so again, I hope to have others on the channel to talk more in depth about the nuances of those decisions. And lastly, this user states, academia is becoming harder to make a living, have a sustainable job, or even get a job at all. The amount of traveling and relocation every few years. There's a saying, the people who are clever, love it, are the ones who stay which propagates the cycle. And I'm going to assume that this is a cycle of perhaps inequality. I hope that I'm not putting words in this user's mouth. And so I agree indeed, there must exist a love for at least one aspect of the academic career. And that could be the joy of seeing your students surpass a learning curve or the joy of exploring new ideas and then material, materializing those ideas into widgets or medicinal cures or even policies that help society. However, it must be said, this love comes with 
various levels of sacrifice in order to remain and or survive in this system. And so oftentimes financial or emotional strains are the driver for leaving academia. And both of these are exacerbated by the requirement and the frequency of relocation um, in your early career for a higher paying or a longer term position. So as I wrap this episode, I'd like to highlight the fact that some people actually enjoy the thrill that comes along with a change in environment um, when you relocate for a new position. Relocation many times requires you to exist outside of your comfort zone for a while. And what I've observed is that these periods of being outside of your comfort zone can be ones of intense self-reflection and growth. Having to learn a new environment helps keep your mind fresh and may inspire new creative ideas. So for my listeners who are aspiring STEM professionals, especially those of you who have academic aspirations, I hope that you've had a chance to reflect on everything that we talked about in this episode in terms of physical relocation. And I hope to have more nuanced conversations on the channel from people with a wide variety of family structures. Thank you for listening to episode two of Under the Hood with Dr. Sunshine. All views expressed on this channel are my own and do not reflect that of my academic institution. Please be sure to like this video and subscribe to my channel. Stay tuned for more exciting content to come.